You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to Edgework here on the Hammer Betting Network. It is Friday, February 17th. We got five games on the schedule tonight. Daily picks and previews. If you enjoy the content, please make sure to subscribe here to the Edgework YouTube channel. You can get all of our daily uh, best bets as well as our brand new podcast with David Pagnotta, Dennis Bernstein, and Zach Bonenstein. New one dropped this Wednesday, so keep your eyes out for that. Make sure to subscribe to the channel so you get to see them every time. No, Andy, today, Rob, you pulled the shoot, just you and I. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing okay, better than Andy. Andy's got like, uh, you know, the sweats laying down in bed. But, uh, I, I, you know, there's way more pressure on me today, right? Because usually the Friday show, it's me and Andy. Uh, you could blame any losses on him after the fact, right? And I can... Well, it's you know, usually myself. fault. Well, I mean, listen, if he wants to keep parlaying those, uh, those player props, <laughs> uh, anytime goal scores for those 14 to 1 payouts... Um, instead of playing them individually. I mean, that's his his choice. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully, honestly, hopefully Andy's feeling better, uh, can join us again next week. But uh, different dynamic here, certainly, without Andy popping Red Bulls, getting him in his eye. All, there's always some sort of disaster on Fridays that happens. Yeah, there you go. Did Andy get Red Bull in his <laughs> eye? Jordan's saying the Red Bull flu. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, but Andy can't make it. So, yes, you're right. Hopefully, Andy feels better. But just you and I today, we'll break down the five games, go into uh, some of our best bets that we got here. I know today's going to be a little different. We're going to have some player props mixed in a little bit more than sides and totals, as we've seen over the past couple of days. But I actually didn't even check yesterday how we did. I think I think we went two and one on the day. Yeah. Uh, Florida Panthers win, St. Louis win, and then we got smoked with the uh, Flyers against Seattle. But happens. It yeah. happens. I caught I caught the show yesterday. I, I was on the Panthers last night, which was a nice win. Um, caught the under in the Devils and uh, Blues at plus money, which was nice as well because it's 4-2 midway through the third. You figure you're going to just get another goal no matter what. But uh, the one that really, you know, I took the Sharks at plus 175 last night, and I think they lost with about 11 seconds left in regulation. Like, the, they, they, the tank is so real now that these teams don't even want to force overtime. It's like, ah, let's just get out of here with zero points and – uh, I, that was a, a bit of a painful one because they had a, a one nothing lead going into the third. Yeah, well, I believe it was the Tampa game the other day. Uh, there was a point, I think it was in the second period, late second period, maybe early third period. Uh, they had 41 shots, I think it was in the game against Arizona, and I saw a tweet after, and it said, if you're a tanking team, if you're or in a traditional tanking season, this is the year where Connor Ingram is traded immediately after the game for an <laughs> AHL goaltender. I'm like... Yeah, I just thought that was pretty funny. I mean, we're starting to see it. I, actually, before we get into the games here, I'm curious your thoughts on it as you go down the stretch. Um, we obviously are Leafs fans. I mean, you can kind of tell by Rob's uh, wardrobe right now. But um, you see a game the other night against the Chicago Blackhawks. 
I've heard some people say it is the best way to describe it, in my opinion, it was a controlled scrimmage. Um, Chicago just had basically no interest in that one. And you even saw they called, they challenged one of the Leafs' goals, and people online were like, if you're the Blackhawks, like, what are we even doing? Wasting <laughs> time challenging goals here. Like, you want those goals scored. Uh, but you're going to start to see not necessarily just a full-blown give up because the players on the team still try. The players are still fighting for jobs. They want contracts for the next year. Maybe they want to be in a good light or try to get to a different team. But you are going to see some of these teams that are very bad start to dress players who aren't NHL players in the traditional sense. I mean, even look at Montreal. They're sitting out half of their lineup. How do you kind of evaluate some of these teams as they go down the stretch? Because to me, I feel like we're going to start to see some of these bigger prices, these long, long odds on teams where you see a Leafs going up against Chicago and uh, Tampa Bay's going up against Arizona. Is there just a certain point where you just got to look at some of those numbers that pop up and just say like, all right, this is too far. Like these are guys competing for jobs. This is an NHL game in a regular season. Like this is just too much. So years ago, when I first started betting the NHL professionally, probably six or seven years ago, my, you know, my unit scale or my ROI over the course of the season used to look the exact same way, which was, you know, I'd start off slow and then December, January, February, just uphill and post trade deadline, just downhill. And what I found is, you know, it was kind of a cyclical thing every year. I'm like, I'm getting killed post trade deadline every time. And it's because I was mostly betting these big underdogs um, saying that, you know, feeling that these lines were inflated, getting these dogs at plus plus 400 because of uh, I'm like, oh, you know, they still players still want to win. They're still going to play these games hard. And I got killed doing that every year. And then eventually learned that, well, post trade deadline, it's it's very different. You have to apply some sort of motivational factor for the teams that are still in playoff races versus those that aren't. That's just happening earlier now in the NHL. It's not the trade deadline that signals that. It's much earlier. Like, look at the bottom of the Western Conference, right? There's five. <laughs> an absolute joke. And Gary Bettman got, like, a lot of grief for saying that there's no tanking in the NHL. I do somewhat agree with him in the sense that, like, there, you know, teams are probably not going out there and intentionally trying, intentionally trying to lose. But you do get to a point in the season now where there's a lot of these teams, like like you said, Zach, it's like, let's just see what we have in this young player. Like maybe a veteran takes a couple of days off. Why are we going to run this guy into the ground? So it's not like an inherent trying to lose, but the team has gotten to a point where they know that they have nothing to play for in terms of making the playoffs. Um, so we already start to see these huge prices, right? Like, you know, look at look at tonight, for example, but it would be so rare to see a team at this point in the season plus 240 on home ice like Anaheim is against LA tonight. (laughs) You know, it's mid-February. So there may not be tanking in the sense of like throwing the games, but definitely we are at a point here where, I mean, on a nightly basis, at least it's not quite to the level of the NBA or teams just give, you know, all their star players the night off. But it's it's pretty ugly with, with some of these teams. Oh, well, I'm even looking at this right now. You're looking at Chicago going to play Ottawa, Chicago plus 240 like yep they're not it's not uh that astronomical but I mean I guess Ottawa is at home in that situation but it's still but, it's but, like but, the- but you're right though like you you have 
like Mad Sugard is probably playing in net tonight for Ottawa, right? Yeah. He's played in a couple of games and he looks competent, but who's going to go like, are you rushing to bet Ottawa minus 275 with Mad Sugard in net? Like, what, I, I'm, <laughs> I wish it, there was a little bit more parity and more competitive balance and you didn't have it yet this much because, I mean, there's obviously opportunity whenever there's uncertainty in the NHL, uh, but and it just puts a damper on Like, you look ahead to the next day's games, right? And you're, you're looking and you're like, you see the board and it's four to the five games are minus 200 favorites. And you're like, oh, God, like what an yeah. ugly card. You don't really want to bet that type of stuff. But um, it, it is what it is. I, I mean, it, this is the new NHL. I mean, even boot, for, for Cotter Bedard, generational talent, even boosting your team's chances a couple percentage points to get that player it's probably worth it since these teams are going nowhere anyways. So um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit unfortunate to have to handicap these types of games regularly. Um, but there are definitely a handful of teams in the league that are way worse at this point in the year than traditionally we would have seen in previous years. Uh, and w every day I, I talked of, I've talked about this on the show before, but I get to look at the standings. I look at them in the morning as you go through and prep for the show and get prep for the games, look at where teams are moving, who they got to catch up to. And, one thing that I noticed, and it is, it's honestly insane, but if you look at the Atlantic Division, there's only one team in the Atlantic Division who has a losing record in their last 10, and some Montreal Canadiens are 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. And then you go over to the Western Conference, that, that, is not the, that is not the same, essentially, basically, from top wildcard spot down. Uh, the Oilers are 6-1-3, and three, and then outside of that, it's essentially 500 in their last 10 or below 500, and I mean, quickly, I'd just even say like how funny it is if you go look at the standings. It's like you can start with the Oilers and you go down two game losing streak, two game losing streak, two game losing streak, three game losing streak. Like these teams in the West, they're just fighting away at trying to move down the standings, even with some of those pocket teams trying to fight into the wild card. Like they just can't get it together. I think the interesting thing about the East is that there's so many teams that are still alive for the wild card. Um, yeah. Even teams that you would have never expected, or even Ottawa still alive for the wild card, and they're probably yeah. in the dressing room thinking that they can actually get into the playoffs despite having a horrible first half of the season. Detroit, Buffalo, Washington's now dealing with Ovechkin's absence due to his father passing away, um, and and they the teams behind have a lot of games in hand on Washington as well. So, I, like. I hate the NHL playoff format, but I think it's definitely an interesting wildcard race in the East this year. Whereas in the West, there's a race, you know, you'll have one team on the outside looking in, but there's just such a chunk of teams that it's like, they're, they're not getting there. They know they're not getting there. They're not even going to try to get there. Um, so it puts a little bit of a damper on it uh, overall, but uh, that's why we bet on the games, right? Make it a little bit more interesting, uh, regardless of whether or not the team has anything to play for. We have something on the line. All right, let's look at the games here tonight. We will start uh, with that Chicago-Ottawa game. We'll go through all of them, just give some opinions on them, even if we don't have maybe a play on it. But uh, the Chicago-Ottawa game, as kind of mentioned here, you're looking at Ottawa with minus 250 tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks. Or you could shop, shop around, maybe get that one down if you wanted. You could find it around 260, 270 uh, on some books. But uh, this Ottawa team... 
seven and three in their last 10 years talking about an opportunity to push into the playoffs here they are on a two-game win streak they beat some decent opponents in calgary four to three the islanders Mm -hmm. three to two 15 12 and one at home going to uh, play against a chicago team that i mean i think even just from like a organization standpoint just the way that they conduct themselves on the ice maybe they're not giving up but it's just a little bit of a lackluster team in terms of how they're put together and how they're playing right now you wouldn't lay the minus 275 on the sends against chicago but uh is there anything you would maybe even look to play or like is this just completely stay away spot for you yeah so i i have a target in this game of over six and a half if you can get plus 105 or better that's kind of the way I would look at it. We don't know who's going to be in net for Chicago yet. It could be Jackson Stelber, who uh, he's been fine. But, like, you know, I, I eventually think that these young goaltenders, the longer that they play, uh, the more there will be a scouting report on them, where to beat them, they'll get worse. The other potential option is obviously Mrazek for Chicago, and he's completely cooked, just is not the goalie that he was three years ago. But, yeah, Sogard against Stober or Mrazek, it kind of writes itself. Chicago doesn't really want to play any defense anymore. So my target for the over was plus 105. I haven't played anything year yet, but I mean, this is just like the ugly game on the board where, um, you know, I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to, to take the sends on the puck line, get them at plus 100 with the way that they're playing, which is definitely much better at this point, but it's not something that is on my horizon, uh, nor would I use them in parlays. I, I see insight in the chat. Yeah. is asking like would you use Ottawa in a parlay honestly I, for me it's it's just like I'm I have to feel like I have an edge on that side in order to use them in a parlay right I think a lot of people go astray where they're just like oh this is a big favorite I'll just throw them in because they're likely to win but you, you still have to think that there's an edge in playing that side so um to each their own obviously insight like if you think that there's a there's value on Ottawa go ahead throw that into a parlay but for me uh, I think the price on the game is is right. Um, I'll keep my eye over the day on where the total moves uh, as I could potentially play the over in this one. All right, I got a uh, goal scorer prop to pitch you. Uh, we'll nice. do like an elevator pitch. If you like it, then we'll roll with it. If not, then scrap it and move on. Sure. Uh, Brady Kachuk, anytime goal scorer. Uh, two, the, two guys that I've been heavy on this year for goal scores. I will say the other one later in one of the other games that we have there, but started with Brady Kachuk anytime goal scorer, and you can find him at plus 130 on the majority of books. If you're in Ontario, I know you can find that a little bit higher. I saw it this morning. It is available. Brady Kachuk, uh, again, expected goals above actual goals being performed at or actual goals being scored so far this season. Brady is essentially for me one of those players who's just going to be around everything creating opportunities creating chances he's up higher in the lineup uh naturally he's just going to get uh, some of that opportunity i I just look at brady kachuk in a spot like this against a chicago team you're at home you are pushing for the playoffs kind of like you had talked about where you think hey maybe we actually do have a chance here pierre dorian has said they're not going to trade to brink it and those guys at the deadline like this team is kind of hanging around maybe they will add somebody and to me if there's going to be anybody who's going to drag you into the fight it's going to be brady kachuk i'm looking at brady kachuk goal scores especially ahead of the uh especially as we approach the deadline and a spot where you could kind of determine yes no whether you're going to be in the playoffs but plus 130 brady kachuk and and i do see like insight here this is where i was talking about potato offering 
Brady and Stutzla anytime gold mm-hmm. parlay plus 620. Um, but yes, do shop around for sure. That is where I'm looking. Any thoughts on that or? Yes. So in the last month of the regular season of every single player that's playing tonight, so across the 10 teams, Brady Kachuk has the most individual expected goals of anyone. 8.72 individual expected goals in 10 games. That's higher than Connor McDavid in the same span, in the same amount of games, higher than Joel Erickson Eck, who's been on fire, uh, Zach Hyman as well, who's been popping a bunch. So uh, I'm good with that. I like the look. Um, I think he's at least going to generate. My only concern with Kachuk is he's he's been shooting like 18% over the course of the past month. I don't know that it will continue on forever. But against yeah. the Chicago goaltending, I don't know that it's going to stop tonight. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I looked at the same thing. I was like, ooh, well, maybe not. But uh, yeah, I was kind of like, all right, well, we're in a spot against Chicago here. Maybe we can uh, get away with it. And watching that Chicago team the other night, they're not prone or they're prone to uh, allowing some decent opportunities, that's for sure. But all right, we'll lock that one in. And then, yeah, Brady Kachuk has been one. I don't know. I like those guys who kind of get around the net, finding spots with them where they're just kind of in the mix all the time. Those are yep. those are fun ones for me. All right, next one, we do have a battle of two teams who are looking at playoff spots right now. Uh, Pitt is hanging on to the first wild card spot in the East. They're one point up on Washington. They got four games in hand on them right now. One point up on the Florida Panthers, five games in hand on them, five, two, and three in their last 10. They're in an interesting spot because we saw them heat up for a little bit and then completely freeze off and kind of allowing teams to get uh, closer and closer or moving around <laughs> around them in the standings. And this Islanders team, you go trade for Bo Horvat, you're re-sign him. Now you're on a push. You're going to make the playoffs this year. That's the goal. Well, they're one point out of the playoffs right now. They are one point back of Florida. They're one point back of Washington. They're on a three-game losing streak, including losses to the Canucks, the Habs, and the Sens. Don't really know what to make of this Islanders team right now as it stands. Uh, What do you look at between Pittsburgh and the Islanders tonight, Rob? Yeah, I, I don't think the Islanders are very good. I mean, obviously they upgraded in that trade, uh, but they lose Pajot, who's now on IR with an upper body injury. He was getting the fourth most minutes of any one of their forwards, which, I mean, like normally Pajot wouldn't be a massive loss for a team, but for the Islanders, who lack the depth at, at forward, it's meaningful for them. But what's been the most interesting or fascinating about the Islanders this year is when you think back to these teams uh, for the New York Islanders over the course of the past five, six years, they were very, very good defensive teams, and they're just not that team anymore. I mean, their expected goals against is very high. They give up a lot of scoring chances. They give up a lot of good looks. They spend a lot of time in their own end relative to the teams, these Islanders teams have passed. Now, their goaltending bails them out a lot of times. They have the best duo in Sorokin and Varlamov. Uh, I think Sorokin will probably start tonight, even though it's a back-to-back, because uh, they have their dad's trip on Saturday and Monday. So I think it'll probably be Sorokin tonight, Varlamov tomorrow, Sorokin again on Monday. So both of them can play in front of their fathers. Uh, But I don't put much stock into this Islanders team. The problem is I'm not high on Pittsburgh either. We don't know what the goaltending is going to be here. Um, Tristan Jari had a doctor's appointment yesterday and he didn't practice with the team. That sometimes is like the final clearance to be able to play. You'll have to see like today what goes on, but if Dustin Tokarski gets sent back down, it's probably a good indication that Jari's going to play. I don't really know what to do with this game from a side or total perspective, 
But this is the game that I'm targeting a couple of player props. Uh, I think people generally just stay away from betting player props against Sorokin, especially goal scorers, because he is such an elite goaltender. But again, the Islanders just give up more chances than they used to. So these are going to be two ugly ones. Uh, Zach posts a video to TikTok every day with like a recap of our picks. And he always gets like the kids who are like, hey, love the picks, but where are the long shots on the <laughs> on these things? Okay, we're going with long shots tonight. Not like 10 to 1 or anything like that. And uh, I'm going to go a half unit on each. But we'll start with Pittsburgh. I'm taking Jason Zucker, anytime goal scorer, at 3 to 1 or better. So you got to play it at 3 to 1 or better. Um, FanDuel points bet right now are pretty much in that range. So the problem with Zucker is he doesn't get power play time. So you're going to have to get an even strength goal here. Now, he plays alongside of Genny Malkin. He plays alongside Brian Rust. Very good line combination for him overall. But again, this is not rocket science in terms of how to identify these guys that typically make four good bets. Because Zucker, most guys, let's say, not even Zucker, are priced in the same range every single game with a few exceptions. Some guys go on hot streaks, and you'll see that their their goal scorer, anytime goal scorer odds move. But most guys are priced in the same range pretty consistently. There is such thing as luck in hockey and getting unlucky. And Jason Zucker has generated a lot over the past 10 games. 4.82 expected goals over the past 10 games. Um, that's second highest on the entire Pittsburgh Penguins roster in that span, only behind Jake Gensel. He only has two goals to show for him because he's shooting 7% in that span. Now, if you go look at Jason Zucker over the course of his career, he's been a much higher shooter than that. He has a career 12.3% shooting percentage. If you look at just this season, 11.2%. So I do think water eventually finds its level. Zucker in the 3-1 to one range alongside Gino and Rust at even strength, a solid bet. And on the other side of things, someone's going to start getting more ice time because Pajot was out and listen all like everyone third line second line elevate the rice time just a little bit I'm not a big fan of Zach Parise but for all the reasons that I like Jason Zucker they apply to Parise uh, playing on line two with Brock Nelson Kyle Palmieri not the greatest but he does get some power play time on PP2 and again you're going to get FanDuel plus 350 great price I would play this at anything three to one or higher Half unit, nothing crazy. Obviously, these are like not likely bets that are going to win. But Parise is in the exact same boat where over the past month or so, generated 4.15 individual expected goals. He's only scored two. That's because his shooting percentage has been uncharacteristically low when we compare it to his career and to this season. So those are the two guys that I've identified today that I think have been a little bit unlucky over an extended period of time. These are not bets that by any means are a lock. We're hoping to win one or two uh, type of situation. Uh, and I actually do want to point this out because it's a great comment by Matt here. But plus 370 on FanDuel. This is a, um, if you go to the over half goals market instead of any time goal score, for some reason, books don't often have this synced up. So you can actually find a better price. So even better there, Matt. That's a great point. But we live for the glory. <laughs> Zach Parise uh, and uh, Jason Zucker is what I'm targeting for player props tonight. I didn't know that that was a thing. 
I didn't yeah. know that over 0.5 goals on FanDuel, at least. I didn't know that that was a possibility. Interesting. Got to do more research into that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right, we'll move on to another game here, a game where we do have a side in. Dallas-Minnesota, talking about teams fighting for spots here. Dallas first in the Central, two points up on Winnipeg. Same number of games played as them. They're eight points up on Colorado. They have played two more games than the Avalanche at this point. Uh, Dallas right now is on a two-game losing streak. They lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lost to the Boston Bruins. Both games close games. They're both 3-2 to two there. Uh, this Dallas team is 15-8-4 on the road so far. And this Minnesota team is... Um, it's an interesting one to follow along with. I'm following along wild beat reporters and the tweets pregame, after game. Like these guys are losing their minds out there mm -hmm. in Minnesota watching this team. Holding on to the last wild card, card spot at this point in time. Um, I, it's just hard to kind of make what they are. You, you look at them five points back of Edmonton. They got a game in hand on them. Now tied with Calgary for points. They've played the same games as Calgary, but three, six, and one in their last 10, 16, 10, and two at home. Rob, what do you make of this game? And I guess even more so, like what, how do you evaluate what Minnesota is and what they can be? I, uh, I think a lot of people will look at this as like a buy low spot on Minnesota. I'm not very high on Minnesota right now. And listen, there's reasons to not be high on Dallas either. Dallas is struggling to score altogether. But you have Felino out for Minnesota. They've scored two goals or fewer in six of their last nine games. They've had trouble scoring all year long. Uh, and this is not just like, oh, they've generated a lot of great chances and have trouble scoring. No, they don't generate a ton of shots. They're below average in terms of that. Corsi below average as well. And... I wish we were getting Flurry to back Dallas instead of Gustafson. Gustafson's been very, very good in his 22 or so starts this year. Uh, but I, I think this is just a short price for Dallas. Honestly, I priced them in like the minus 115, minus 120 range. I like the look on them. I'm very, I, I'm not concerned, excuse me, about uh, Jake Ottinger not playing. So you can, you can decide to wait if you want. This is the first of a back-to-back -back for Dallas. So Ottinger and Wedgwood are likely to split this. But Jake Ottinger is born in Minnesota. For those that don't know, I would be very surprised if he doesn't get the start tonight. And obviously that's a, you know, very impactful when you're betting the game. He's third best in goal saved above expected this year. Fifth best in goal saved uh, above average. Flip those around actually. Fifth in goal saved above expected. Third in goal saved above average. But uh, I think it's a bit of a short price here. Uh, I make Dallas a minus 115 favorite. The only thing I will say, um, I obviously, like, I bet the NHL pretty heavily. This is my bread and butter. I do this. I'm also very in tune with the market a lot of times. And I'll put my numbers up against anyone's, frankly, in the market. But I don't necessarily think that this is going to move a whole ton. So you might be okay just waiting for an Ottinger confirmation. I've been opposing a lot of people on Minnesota lately that where the line has moved in the other direction um, or towards the wild. Everyone has their own way of evaluating the game, but I just think Minnesota is kind of a mess right now and uh, playing a little bit tighter. Don't think that helps them altogether. Dallas's peripherals concern me going forwards, but so does everyone in the West. Let's be real. Like there's not a team that I'm not concerned about in the West. So uh, give me the stars. I think it's a, it's a short price here, Zach. 
All right, we lock that in. And again, if you want to track all the picks that are given out on this show throughout the course of the season, make sure to go over to the BetStamp app in the Find Better section. You can find us there as Edgework HQ. Give us a follow. You can see all the picks throughout the course of the season as we lead up to game time and as they're tracked here on the show. So make sure to go over there and give that a follow. But uh, we will move on to another game here tonight. This one will have a couple plays in. Rangers heading to take on the Edmonton Oilers. Rangers right now holding on third in the Metro, three points back of the Devils, eight points back of Carolina. Uh, we've talked about it throughout the course of this week. It essentially feels like that Metro division is is set in terms of who the three are going to be. It's more just a matter of who's going to finish ahead of who, who's going to get the home ice and what the matchups are going to be come playoff time. And this Rangers team has been red hot. One of the best teams, if not the best team in the NHL over the past month or so. 8-1-1 one, one in their last 10 right now. Six game win streak going into this one. Going to face an Oilers team who's holding on to the first wild card spot in the West. And uh, opportunity for movement there in the Pacific Division. There are five points up on Minnesota for that wild card. But you're looking, they're two points back of the Kings. They're only a few points back of uh, Seattle and Vegas there. Like there's opportunities for those teams to move around a whole bunch. How do you break down this Edmonton Rangers game tonight here, Rob? Well, this is a tough one because the, you know, I, I've typically been playing a lot of these Eastern Conference teams against the Western Conference teams for the majority yeah. of the season. And as you know, what tends to happen in sports betting markets is eventually the market catches up to that and it's no longer a thing. Like earlier in the year, we were getting some insane prices on the East against the West. The Rangers are very good. They have the league's best record since the 5th of December. They're 21, four and three since the 5th of December. That's an 804 points percentage, number one in the league. They've now won six games in a row. They've scored 31 goals in that stretch. Now, two things can be true about the Rangers. They can be very good, and they can be punching above their weight right now. And I think both are true. And I, I think that they're a little bit overpriced in market right now on what is unsustainable goal scoring going forwards. And obviously, they have a very balanced and strong team, and I'm not suggesting that they're just going to fall off a cliff at some point, but they are being rated like right up here right now. And I think a lot of that is just, you know, again, unsustainable going forwards. Edmonton, on the other hand, uh, I think we catch them off of like a very misleading result. They lose to the Red Wings. Um, yeah. the, the, you know, the Red Wings scored a couple goals on the power play. They scored a couple goals directly off faceoffs. Two of them just bounced off the legs of, of one of the defensemen on the Oilers in that game. Edmonton outshot them 45 to 23. They really, really carried the play. A lot of the game was played in Detroit's end of the rink. Stuart Skinner in net does not concern me for the Oilers. Like everyone wants to talk about the Jack Campbell redemption story. If we actually look over the course of the last month, Stuart Skinner still has better numbers than Jack Campbell in terms of goal save above average, goal save above expected. Every valuable metric that I would take into account, Skinner is right there with Campbell, if not better. So uh, I price this game closer to minus 130, in the minus 130, minus 135 range. I think that there's a little bit of value with the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Uh, obviously, that minus 120 at bet 365 stands out. I'd probably play it all the way up to minus 125, which is pretty widely available here. Uh, I like the Oilers in this spot. I think that, um, obviously, I, like I, I'm not here to diminish the Rangers. I think they're going to be... I've always been the guy that thinks the Rangers are better than everyone else gives them credit for. Pretty sound team all around. But 
a little bit overvalued right now. Just a little bit overvalued based off of what it like. They're not going to shoot forty percent forever, you know. It's and that's an mm-hmm. exaggeration, but um, <laughs> it's it's just not going to happen. So um, yeah, honestly, I pull pull up the odds quickly. One more, Zach. Yep. Uh, I'm not like a contrarian better by any stretch of the imagination either. These are like your two highest scoring teams over the last month or so um, by a mile. But that the unders at seven, especially that pinnacle minus 122, Caesars minus 125, that looks like a decent play to me as well. Like I, I know typically, you know, I'm not a huge fan of betting side and total on the same game, but you need eight goals to lose that bet. Right. I think about it that way rather than eight goals to lose a bet is a pretty good bet a lot of the time. This will feel, I know they're in different conferences, but this will feel like a playoff game. Like it's a, you know, it's like a step up in class for each team to gauge the level that they're at. I don't hate the under seven there. I think we can go ahead and play that for a half unit as well. Um, you're going to get a good goaltending matchup, in my opinion. Um, I don't think it's going to be as wide open as people may seem to believe where do you uh where do you rate the rangers with the acquisition of tarasenko how much does that give them a boost how much better do you think that they get out of that out of that a uh, trade that went down a couple weeks ago or i guess a week I, and a half ago so like it there's basically for my for me my my tier rankings of the nhl are boston in their own tier carolina in their own tier. And then I think you have like this middle group, right? Where I would put Toronto, Tampa, New Jersey, Rangers, Edmonton. I'd probably throw Colorado in there as well. Dallas is in there, but like kind of falling off. And they're they're in that tier probably somewhere in the middle. I still think that they're a little bit behind Toronto and Tampa overall, but like it's so marginal that it doesn't even matter. Like you know, on a neutral, they're probably like a five cent underdog to one of those teams or something like that. So I, I think the Rangers are legit. Like that, that was, that's a big addition for them. Like it really rounds out their lineup. You look at, you look at their, what they offer now in their top three lines. And it's, it's made, he's an impactful player. As long as he can stay healthy, which has been the issue with Tarasenko gives them just another dynamic weapon. All right, I got a goal scorer in this game, Rob. Okay. You can let me know what you think. It should support your side of the game, so we'll see you there. But uh, Zach Hyman, anytime goal scorer, plus 145. Uh, again, very similar with the expected goals uh, versus goals kind of situation, but he's in a spot where his expected goals is extremely high give, compared to his actual goals scored. Um I just think you're in a spot here just from a non-analytical perspective even. You play on the first line with Connor McDavid. You're on the first power play unit. Everything is driven through McDavid. Uh, other than, I mean, really when Dreisaitl's out there, but like the play runs through those two guys. It's dictated by them. The pace is dictated by them. And Zach Hyman is a guy who is always going to be around the play, around the mix, in front of the net. And then you get in a power play situation where you have McDavid and Dreisaitl, and you basically got to stand in front and put your stick on the ice. You're going to have an opportunity to score. Now, mind you, he's more skilled than just having to stand in front and put your stick on the ice, but getting rebounds, tips, or just finding 
yep. backdoor passes from those two guys. I think you're in a good spot. And for me, where I looked at with these odds is they're essentially priced at the rate of him actually scoring as opposed to where his expected goals are. I think his expected goals, he should probably, based on where his expected goals are, he should probably be even closer to minus money on a given night. Uh, so plus 145, that was where I had Zach Hyman. I think that that was a good, good price for him. Okay, so I'm, I'm never going to talk anyone out of a bet because everyone sees their own things. So let's go ahead and lock Hyman in. The only thing I'm going to say is that with Zach Hyman, he is very likely going to always underscore versus his expected goals. Yes. Be, not Listen, I love Zach Hyman as a player. I'm a Leafs fan. I wish the Leafs still had Zach. I, I'm I, as big a Zach Hyman fan. Guy played a playoff game on a torn ACL. Like, that's yeah. what you need to know about the guy. But he does have cement hands. Like, let's call it out for what it is. He's going to, yeah. he's going to struggle to put away some chances that a lot of other star caliber players would bury. So he often finds himself in great positions and gets a lot of these chances, but he's not always going to finish them. So the only thing that I would caution with, with Zach Hyman going forwards is he's the type of guy just based off of his, his skill set is not finishing. Let's put it that way, right? Like that's not his, his, his top skill. So there's a very high likelihood that you will just see for the majority of his career He's always going to have a higher expected goals than actual goals. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and you know what? Actually, I don't know if you heard this or not. Uh, Bruce Boudreau was on a show that I was listening to the other day. It was a radio show. They asked him, they were asking him about uh, the expected goals of players. And specifically, they were referring to in this conversation, Pierre Engvall mm-hmm. and uh, his expected goals. And Bruce Boudreau said, he was talking about analytics. He said he appreciates them. He respects them. But sometimes he said, He's like, well, look at expected goals. If you go up, if he was basically saying if person A and person B go up to a girl at the bar and person A is this supermodel or like this supermodel kind of actor, A-list celebrity guy, yeah. and person B is some slouch, yeah, you're going to have the same ex- expected goals of asking that girl for their number, but in reality, person A has got a way better chance at scoring than yeah. uh, person B does. And so like... Yes, some of it is weighted the same, and yeah, you're you're right there. But that was going through my mind when I was looking at this, trying to pick out the hymen anytime. Well, th- th- listen, there's there's imperfections with a lot of metrics, right? And there's definitely imperfections with expected goals, especially the ones that we see as the public, right? The teams have access to way more information than we do, way more data. Where all the passes came from before the goal, right? Um, which is probably factored into the the private expected goals, uh, goaltender positioning, like right now the public expected goals models don't take into account where the goalie is standing in the net. So if me and Zach Mm -hmm. both fire a shot from the blue line and the goalie's in the corner for Zach's shot, we're going to generate the same expected goal value, which is obviously not correct. So there's imperfections with that, but that doesn't mean that it's not meaningful. Like there's lots of ways to use, use these metrics to your advantage. If you understand what the limitations are of a metric, then that just makes it like you, you, it still provides a lot of value. So uh, I listen, you can get into the analytics debate debate forever in terms of hockey. And there's some people who think it's crap and they're like, well, you know, it, you know, the, the people who talk about hits, right? Like, oh, a team's not tough enough to play against or whatever. Like at the end of the day, all these things that people think matter in the game, they would reflect, be reflected 
in a lot of the metrics that we talk about, a lot of the advanced metrics, right? It's kind of like this circular argument where no one's going to end up winning because most people don't understand uh, what's going on. But I think there's value in both. I think there's value in the eye test. I think there's value in breaking down the numbers. Um, I mean, that's a funny comment, but like people know that, right? Like, I, yeah. especially on the, on the team side of things, general managers, people who are constructing rosters, it's, it's not apples to apples. Yeah, it was just something that was coming to mind when I was looking at it because, I mean, you're even looking at Hyman's, like according to Money Puck here, his expected goals on the season, you'd be at about 40, like 40 goals. He's sitting at 27 so far, which is still a great year for a guy yep. like Zach Hyman. But you look at the inflation on the expected goals compared to the goals scored. Final game of the night here, LA, Anaheim. I know we don't have a play in this one, but uh, you're looking at an Anaheim team uh, who... It's probably going to be looking to move on from some pieces ahead of the deadline here. It's going to, that one's interesting to me because they signed Klingberg. And I assumed it was full preparation of like, we'll bring this guy in for a year and then flip him at the deadline for pieces. And I mean, for lack of better words, he's sucked. Like he's yeah. sucked this year. Yep. Uh, so I don't know what they're going to get in return there. You got uh, Mason McTavish and Connor Bedard texting after games about how McTavish is getting closer and closer to getting Bedard on his team. Like, I just don't know what to make of that situation. And then LA is in on everybody as it goes right now, in on Chickering and Meyer and whoever else that is on the block. Uh, if you're looking at this one and you got another big price here tonight between LA and Anaheim, what, what kind of read do you have on this game? I'll be honest with the audience, zero read. Um, other than I think it's very accurately priced. Like I tried to look for something here. I would definitely not play the Kings in these price ranges, even on the puck line. I think that that's, that's a little bit too much. Um, I don't know. I am just very, very neutral here. Like I look for a goal score. I look for shots on goal props. I I think that this is an accurately priced game. We don't know who the goalie is going to be yet for LA in this one. Uh, could be Copley, could be quick as well. It's a very you know, likely possibility that quick might actually get a start here, in which case maybe Anaheim in that price range is worth a shot, but um, nothing here, nothing stands out. Um, you know, typically speaking, I, I look for certain types of bets with certain teams that I think are not accounted for in market, but um, yeah, like those plus money overs on Anaheim games often attract my, my interest at some point, but you're getting a different price here. Typically we do these Friday shows. I don't know how, Anaheim's always playing on Fridays, but we would get these over six and a half at like plus 105, plus 100. Those are those are out the window now. Like Anaheim's given up a million goals every game, and and that secret's out of the bag. So uh, that cat's out of the bag. But yeah, nothing here for me, Zach. All right, fair enough. Uh, Jordan Mosel saying in the chat, Kempe anytime goal scorer plus 130. Rob, any thoughts on that one? I mean, I I tried to find someone for an anytime goal scorer bet. <laughs> And like typically what I do is I make my price on what I think the, the player should be. And then I go compare it to the odds and I bet the biggest differences. Um, Kempe has the highest expected goals, individual expected goals of any Kings player over the course of the last month. But it's very low. Like he leads the team in individual expected goals at 3.7. And by the way, he has nine in that span. He is shooting 27% over the course of the last month. I would honestly, maybe it's not a time to like step in front of the train and fade the hot guy, but the first time that he has a game where he doesn't score, 
Kempe is a guy that I think will go into a cold streak at some point. And you could probably bet the nose on him in terms of uh, over under half a goal. No, you'll be in the like minus 170, minus 180 range pretty consistently. And I think that would be a good bet. Insight here saying uh, pulling their own toddy props right now. Oh, God. And sends in. Uh, We've already Stutzlo. ran 44 <laughs> minutes. We can't go another 44. I know. So if you're in the chat right now, and I'm just a reminder, if you're here watching, you haven't subscribed yet, please make sure to subscribe to the channel. Like this stream as well. We got about 90 people watching. I think yeah, close like, to the, like the stream, ever. people. Yeah. Just smash the like button. We need people to find the edge work broadcast. I see some of the hockey broadcasts or like podcasts and stuff that are out there. And listen, I'm not going to offend every single person on the planet. There's some people that do it really well. Overall, uh, Alex B. Smith, who's here on edge work, has his own hockey podcast. Pretty solid. Listen, there's good ones out there. But holy geez, some of the stuff out there is complete and utter trash. Like people breaking down public bet percentages at at nine in the morning like they matter at all or anything like that so please <laughs> smash the like subscribe to the channel and if you know other hockey fans just just tell them about us on a daily basis because uh <laughs> midi name and shame listen i'm not i'm not into the naming and shaming um but yes please let people know rob there was a question for you we'll do the last one, last one before we get out of here uh here it is Pete Martin saying, Rob, do you like anyone to beat out Olmark for the Vesna? And just to set the scene, this week on the show, we did discuss, actually, I think we discussed yesterday, the fact that Swayman is getting more more games now and how that could influence the Olmark uh, Vesna conversation. But where do you stand on that one? I mean, Sorokin could win the Vesna if the Islanders make the playoffs. Um, like, Sorokin has had a monster year. Like, absurd. I'm just pulling up his goal saved above expected right now. 36.8 goal saved above expected in 41 games. He's basically saving a, almost a goal a game, which is unheard of. This is like territory from Shesterkin last year, I would say. Maybe even better overall in terms of that metric. Allmark is probably going to win it. Just by virtue of the fact that Boston is just like running away with things. I don't think it will be used as a detriment against him at the end of the year if Boston has to rest him down the stretch and he doesn't play as many games. Ultimately, I think he's a very sizable favorite. But if I had to pick a second option, it's Sorokin. And a third option would be Connor Hellebuck uh, as well. Because Winnipeg, I mean, Winnipeg's been better than I thought this year. And I don't want to put it all on Hellebuck. But like he's a, a really big part of, of why they've been good this year. Uh, but I mean, it would be very unlikely that all Mark loses at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I can't see it coming out. I like moving away from all Mark. I think he would still be the guy. Um, but yeah, the, the whole Hellebuck thing is interesting too, because it's just like you get a Vesna goalie to start playing like a Vesna goalie again and not have the season that he did last year. Your team's naturally going to get better. That's going to be a, it's going to be a huge part in it. I, I like honestly though, like even just looking at this now, it's the fact that the Islanders are not in the playoffs with the goaltending that they've got this year. Like, what a horrendous <laughs> season for them, for that fan base and that team. Yeah, and this all started with Lou being on his yacht, not picking up his phone to call anybody in free agency. Yeah. Well. <laughs> all right. But before we wrap this up, Rob Chikrin sitting out for a week now 
Gavrikov sitting out. Are we getting trades this weekend or what's going on? I think I don't I don't know that they'll happen this weekend, but um I, I think that this deadline is gonna have you know I think it's gonna have more fireworks than we've seen in the past. It's tough under the salary cap nowadays to make these things work. Teams have to retain salaries, but there's so many teams that think they're in the mix this year. And like that one player could put you over the hump. I don't necessarily think it does, but I think that's going to be the mentality of a lot of these teams. So uh, I think we're going to see fireworks on the deadline this year. All right. I'm excited for it. Hopefully everyone enjoys uh, your weekend. You got NBA All-Star Game this weekend as well. There will be a live watch along on the Hammer HQ account with Jacob Grimenia as they watch the uh, the dunk contest Saturday night. So make sure to go over there and check that out. Hit subscribe on the Hammer HQ YouTube channel if you do want to see that. If you're looking for more NFL content, you can check out Forward Progress. Rob and Fabian Sommer yesterday put out a video, a way too early look ahead at the 2024 Super Bowl. So if you're interested in some value futures bets, make sure to watch that video. You find some insights there and uh, if you're looking for daily nba content check out the board nba where you can find jacob grumenia and pips giving out daily picks there it's very similar to the edgework show here and it comes on or it starts after we wrap up here on the edgework show so thank you to everyone who tuned in here today if you haven't hit subscribe already please do so hit that subscribe button like this stream it's very easy to do takes two seconds helps us out a lot we greatly appreciate everyone who tuned in Rob, thank you for your time. Thank you for the insight as always. For everyone watching, we will be back here Monday morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern time to go live, breaking down games for that day and giving out our best bets. Good luck this weekend, everyone.